Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football as always. We've got Keely Yore on the line. Can't wait to talk to her. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. It's been a while since we've been on the podcast together, so we'll, we're reunited. And it feels good. We're going to be able to talk about some USC football stuff. We've got a lot of questions from you guys out there. If you have any questions for us, you can email us. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Is the email address, or if you'd rather send us a text, that's easy. Or you could call us and leave a quick voicemail, too. 424-254-9141 is the number for both of those things. But we would really love to hear from you on the Apple Podcasting app. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe to the show, of course. And any kind of review, comments, feedback, suggestions, all that stuff that really helps us out. When you leave us that five-star rating, it definitely helps propagate the show and grow it even more. And we do appreciate when you do all of that. So let's... Welcome in, Keely. You're in. Find out if we have any new reviews. Keely, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hello, hello, Ryan. Glad to be back with you. We did television together, but it's we had a, a long hiatus with the Ryan and Keely pod, so we're back. We're better than ever. <laughs> yeah, back better than ever. We had to, you did your Family Feud one last week. I had Graham Harrell on before, so we kind of took the place of that one. But yeah, go ahead now. We got to we got to get our show keep going again. So uh, the exactly. the fans wanted it. I think they they didn't ask for it, but we we assume they wanted it. We'll assume, Ryan. Um, but let's get into the reviews. We actually have three new ones, three five stars. First up is from NJ2K Julian, who says the best USC football podcast. And he gave us five stars. He says, I'll be honest. I, fr- I first found out about Ryan uh, when I watched him talk about USC's 2020 early signing day uh, class, and he was livid. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And shortly after, I became a fan of Ryan Abraham. He is a realist, but sometimes very negative, mostly negative when it comes to Clay Helton. But I think everyone is besides the recruits. I also think that this group would still want Clay Helton fired if he somehow won a national championship. Great podcast and all. Only negative thing I will say is that you'll hear the question, when will Clay Helton be fired? About a million times. Other than that, it's a top-notch five-star recruit podcast. That is all. So thank you, Julian, for that one. Thanks, uh, Julian. I wouldn't say I was livid. Uh, I mean, I was honest that it was terrible. It was a terrible class. Uh, and if Clay Helton won a national championship, we would not be writing that he should be fired. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty clear. But Yeah. Okay. Maybe ranty. If you're not used to the Ryan rants, maybe that's your, your first impression. The Never- rants, yeah. Uh-huh. And we got a five-star review from Tanner, who says, simply the best. Hey, all just wanted to drop by and leave a five-star review for the podcast. I've been following uscfootball.com for the last 10 years, and nobody enriches my experience as a USC fan better than this staff. You all provide honest and thoughtful insight, and it really helps keep the fans uh, up to date and feel the pulse of the program. Keep up the great work. As long as there's a uscfootball.com, you'll be my number one source for Trojan football coverage. So thanks, Tanner, from Indianapolis. Very nice, Tanner. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then we have one final one from Papa Moose, uh, who kind of gave us a mixed review, but overall it was good. It was a five-star review that said, this is it. If you want to get the latest, greatest, super double-secret recruiting scoop, this is probably not the podcast for you. But if you want the truth presented by actual, real-life professional journalists who do their homework, this is the podcast you have been looking for. I've listened to it nearly since its inception, and then... And seeing the evolution of the show has been great to follow. This is a well-done program presented by people you'd like to have over to talk and share a beverage of your choice with. They make you feel like they're your friends, and they do it while maintaining their journalistic integrity. Do yourself a favor and subscribe. So thank you for that one. Yeah, thanks for that. And you, you want the double secret uh, recruiting stuff. You got to listen to Gerard's, you know, his recruit. What does he call it now? The uh, recruiting block. Well, when I do it with him, it's the recruiting blast. When he right. does it, it's the recruiting rant because recruiting he's ranting rant. by himself. So it's a it's a twofold podcast. <laughs> right. The the, recre- the the rant that he does is premiums. You have to be a USCfootball.com subscriber, which you can do right now for a dollar for a month. So you should definitely do that. Look but yeah, that. those are he goes in depth at a lot of that stuff. So mm-hmm. exactly. So that was our review roundup, Ryan. Nice. Thanks for uh, all the reviews. Those are wonderful. We appreciate that. Get us rolling into the show. I want to thank Trader Joe's, too, before we jump in here. And uh, Keely, you know, I got a sweet tooth. 
there's sometimes where you get like the Trader Joe stuff and it's like sort of fancy, like they put three or four ingredients together you never really thought of. It could be a dessert, whatever it is. I found a simple one and I was just like, I didn't seen it before. I haven't seen it before, which is so weird. Sometimes you walk in and you're like, I haven't seen that before. Like, oh, it's been around for years. Um, the milk chocolate covered pretzels. They're mini pretzels. Oh, very simple. They're not like, there's not like sea salt on them. There's not like, you know, some kind of caramel in there. Like these are just mini pretzels covered in milk chocolate. And it's like four bucks for a 12 ounce bag and you can reseal the bag. So it's really cool. Like they are awesome. And I'm a pretty, I'm a kind of a connoisseur of chocolate covered pretzels. <laughs> really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Growing up, like there was a, a local chocolate shop, you know, where, you know, in Western Pennsylvania, where we grew up, we would get them all the time. Still do. And these are, I mean, those are bigger pretzels, but these are legit, like legit chocolate, legit, you know, crunch. You get the little bready stuff from the the pretzel, the little salt in the in the pretzel. It's yeah, uh, I would highly recommend it. When I went to the checkout, the check the the uh, woman who was checking me out was like, "Oh my god, these are my favorite." You know, sometimes <laughs> they'll talk to you about like what they like. Yeah, she was a big fan of this ones, and I I can see why. So I'm gonna be getting more bags of these, which is probably not Ooh. good for the waistline, but man, they're they are good. <laughs> See, I love a classic uh, chocolate and salty savory combo. So that sounds delicious, Ryan. I think I think you you didn't miss with this one. No, they are yummy. So check those out. Uh, but thanks, Trader Joe's again. Um, so a few things. We're gonna have a couple. We got a bunch of questions. I want to get a couple topics because we've had we're, we're getting a lot of questions about eligibility. Uh, I love scholarship math. It's just been a thing ever since like the sanctions. Like you're trying to figure all this stuff out, and it's it's. It was complicated, if you remember, Keeley, during the sanctions or like a little before your time. But there's a lot of complications because there was like you could only have 75 scholarships, but you would only be able to recruit like 15 a year. But that was for multiple years. And you could. So it sort of made it hard to get to 75 because they cut off 10 for, you know, those couple of classes. And you had to, like, keep track of who's, co you know, coming in where there was a lot of complications to stuff. Now we've had the complication of the pandemic and everyone's eligibility is suspended, right? So you get another year. Yeah. But a guy like, and I know I could be wrong on this. You get a transfer in who's a senior. Um, you know, if a senior transfers into the program, like Katie Nixon from Colorado, if you're a senior, like you're Josh Follow, you're a senior tight end on the team. You don't count for the 85 scholarship limit. You transfer in as a senior, I believe you count. Like Katie Nixon would still count. Is that is that your understanding or it's kind of confusing? See, you threw me a curveball here because I was yeah. told that Katie Nixon is a special case, I believe. Oh. I, I don't I haven't fully got the full scoop on it, but I know talking from both Colorado and USC sources, his eligibility was a little bit different. So I don't I can't speak to Katie Nixon. But yes, the eligibility is weird. It's like a COVID shirt, if you will. Yeah, there's the weird stuff, but I thought if you transferred in as a senior, you kind of we'll double check on that to make sure. Um, so this might be a, a little, you know, confusing, <laughs> but there's right now I'm I'm putting together a scholarship distribution chart for 2021. So it's sort of is like a little preview of what's going on. But right now I have 15 seniors on the roster. One of them a transfer in, Katie Nixon. So we'll make sure about his eligibility. But those at least those 14, possibly 15 wouldn't count towards your 85 limit. Um, there's only 11 juniors I have on the roster. Um, and you, that's counting Keontae Ingram, who hasn't been announced yet, but, you know, transfer from Texas. He was a junior. Uh, he'll continue to be a junior. Um, there's 21 sophomores uh, on the roster. And then right now there's 49 freshmen on the roster. So, you got some redshirt guys, guys that came in and, and redshirted and stuff. And if they're a redshirt freshman in 2020, they're still a redshirt freshman in 2021. But your whole class of 2020 is still true freshmen. And now your class of 2021 is true freshmen. So you have guys from class of 2019, 2020, and 2021 all in freshmen. And right now it's a total of 49 guys, uh, according to my math. So um, there's, no, yeah, 96 players on scholarship, but... 82, maybe 81, uh, are only counting towards the 85 limit, uh, according to my math. So, you know, you had four transfers in, 
you know, Alford, uh, Xavier Alford, the safety from Texas, Ismail Softshire, the from Alabama defensive tackle, Katie Nixon, the wide receiver from from uh, Colorado, and then also from Texas, uh, the running back Keontae Ingram. So, bunch of guys transferring in. You had guys, you know, transferring out or opting out or declaring for the NFL. But my, according to my math, because you got that huge freshman class, uh, looks like 96 total guys on scholarship, but like wow. 81, 82 of them counting towards the 85. That's crazy. Uh, just a correction, Ryan. They did announce Keontae Ingram. Uh, Clay Hilton tweeted out like a little graphic on Friday. So I think there was a little bit of a paperwork issue that they had to sort through. So he wasn't included on Wednesday's National Signing Day, but they did announce Keontae Ingram. Oh, they okay. So they did a couple yeah. days later. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. And we'll find out for Katie Nixon. Cause that's a, an interesting one. Um, like when seniors transfer in, like how that all works, but it's, it was confusing in the sanctions Keely. And then it became, this is even more confusing. And we get questions every week about <laughs> who's, well, how's this, how's this going? And, and we're assuming that all those seniors are coming back because when we asked Clay Helton about it on signing day, it was kind of a confusing answer, but it yeah. sounded like he said everyone was back or they were eligible to be back. Like, yeah, they're eligible to be back, but there might be some guys uh, that are transferring out. I tried to get official word from USC, uh, especially guys like uh, Frank Martin and Bernard Shermer, who are Richard senior offensive linemen, but they opted out for 2020. And if they're back and what I got from a USC spokesperson was that they haven't compiled the spring roster yet. And they probably won't be finalized until closer to spring ball. So they're not going to be announcing some of those guys. Essentially, if you announce, if the guys announcing they're out, they're out. If they didn't announce, they're probably back. But we'll we won't we likely won't find out until. And this is the way it's been happening, Keely. Like a couple days or the day before spring football, and yeah. the roster comes out. Yeah, I mean, even with the pandemic season, we found out the first practice. Uh, press conference the whole update of guys and who was getting surgery who was out for the year it was a whole information overload and I'm sure we're going to get something similar to that when USC ever has their first spring practice yeah the fact that it's going to start in April maybe it'll give them a chance to sort of get things together earlier Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah yeah, all of 2020 just seemed like no one knew what was happening so you kind of got things uh, pretty late but there was no pandemic when spring ball started like we got one practice in right yeah um so they they should have had time to put all that stuff together but i think that you know the strength staff was added late there was a lot of stuff that was happening late or not oh, i'm sorry that was the year before never mind <laughs> yeah like, I, was, I was wondering where you were going but i got you now yeah that was 2019 um, the strings that was weird like the strength staff was added like soon before spring football right so it was a little bit yeah it was that was a little was weird close. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll, the years are blurring together, Ryan. The interesting thing, though, is what happens not this upcoming year, the 2021 season, but what happens in 2022 when you have kind of this bloated roster? You got you have to push some guys to the next level, wh- whatever that might mean, right? Yeah. So if you look at if we advance this to 2022, those 15 seniors are gone, right? Um, you have 11 juniors, 21 sophomores, and 49 freshmen. Now, some of those will redshirt and they'll stay over. But if you add another 25 in there, yeah, now you're going to be way over the 85 limit. Will the NCAA, this year, they don't, they didn't increase the number of 85. They didn't say you get 95. They just said, you know, returning seniors don't count. Well, for 2022... Are they going to say, all right, if you were a junior on the roster in 2021 and you're going to be a senior in 2022, you don't count. Um, it would sort of, you'd have to, you know, you have to do something. I'm not sure. Uh, or they're just, there might just be a bunch of attrition, but we're seeing smaller recruiting classes partially because of this, partially because of the transfer portal. Um, I don't know. The NCAA, has, NCAA hasn't announced what they're going to do going forward, but just seeing a class of 49 people in it, one grade, um, that's going to be this bubble that goes through your program that you have to address in some way. Maybe you're, you know, shipping guys off. I don't think the NCAA wants that, but if that's how you have to deal with roster attrition, then, I mean, I mean, you might have to do it that way. 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be something that ripples through college football for a while because now all these classes are going to have to continue on. And how will you deal with a COVID shirt? I don't know. I'm sure there will be weird additions and rule changes, and it'll be something to watch for for the next four years at least. For sure. Um, All right, well, a little scholarship math. So we'll have something up on uscfootball.com very soon about – uh, the distribution chart, the 2020 is still up there, but I will put up the 2021 uh, chart that I've put together and uh, should be pretty much finalized now. So, and uh, yeah, check out that. But we've also, Keela and I both had a couple of exclusive one-on-one interviews that you guys need to check out. Mine is already up. Keely's will be going up very soon. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it'll be up. Uh, but I got to talk with uh, the new associate head coach for USC, Dante Williams. He was the Pac-12 a recruiter of the year for the second year in a row. He was actually number three nationally recruiting behind a couple of Alabama coaches. And, you know, Alabama signed the best recruiting class of all time, so it's going to be <laughs> tough to beat those guys. So yeah. out of the, the mere mortals in the world, Dante Williams did finish <laughs> first. Uh, I know you got to check it out, Keely. Anything kind of stand out to you in the interview? No, I mean, just hearing him talk about the guys that they signed in this class and just hearing, you know, after his first year at USC, I thought that was interesting. But what's it out to you, Ryan? Well, I mean, he talked about the process of how he was uh, promoted. And like, I'm like, what is, you you know, what does the associate head coach do? Is that just a title? And he's going to be involved in more, uh, you know, decisions, not just with the defensive backs, but like with the entire team. Even mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball, I think just showing, I think his, you know, he'll have his hand in recruiting and in all areas, which he already does. But uh, I think that helps, and you know, he just has a bigger voice on the staff, and I think that's something you know you want to take care of a guy like that. He's just done such a good job. I mean, invaluable, just what he's d- meant for our, this recruiting class. When you're talking about the worst we've ever seen in 2020, that we, you know, we mentioned in the review. Uh, and he turns it around to a top 10, you know, class. And I talked about taking back the West and he definitely said they're not there yet. Um, but they're, you know, you're getting working towards it. He doesn't want to finish eighth in recruiting. He wants to finish first. Um, you know, he didn't mention finishing second, in the PAC 12 behind Oregon, but that's part of it. He mentioned, yeah, winning the PAC 12 South is cool, but you want to win the PAC 12 and not just winning the Pac-12, you want to be able to go out in the playoffs and win a national championship. So I think he talked about what taking back the West means to him, but just ha- having him go over, um, you know, each player that was signed, all six defensive backs and uh, and the transfer, you know, give it a few tidbits on each of those guys. I think if you guys want to listen to that, we'll put it up in podcast form too at some point. Um, but that you know, I thought that was interesting. And the one thing I was disappointed, Keely. <laughs> Try to throw yes. him a softball. Like, mm-hmm. hey, doesn't the early signing period suck? You know, <laughs> he likes December signing better than February. And I was like, oh, I like huh. February so much better. Um, and he did. He sort of like was, well, if you get a guy signed in July or August, like you got to really know. And then, you know, what if the coach leaves? Do you let him out of the NLI? He wasn't a huge fan of that either, but he likes signing in December more than in, in February, which to me, there's so much going on in December. Like, really, you want to sign these guys now? But I, I mean, he's the expert. So man, I'm, 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 I got checked on that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can doubt Dante on that one, but yeah, I think from a strategy standpoint, it might be the best timing just because if you're coming off a good season, you kind of get the, the guys in that that whole excitement, whereas if you get it earlier in the year, you kind of have to hold on to that. They have to know for sure. You have to seal the deal earlier before you maybe put new coordinators in. And then February, uh, the excitement has kind of died down. So probably not great for the schedule or for sleep schedules, but maybe for him it's a better strategy to work off of. But, you know, like we said, we can't doubt Dante Williams. <laughs> yeah, and I think when he his initial press conference, I believe I asked him, like, what makes a great recruiter? I asked him again. Um, he had some interesting things to say and then, you know, check out the interview, but also with, uh, you know, hiring a new strength and conditioning staff and you hire a Robert Steiner and I asked him about it and he's like, yeah, he's had conversations with him. You know, he likes the plan that he has in place, likes how he's like explaining why you're doing certain things and why this is going to help you play, you know, football better. He was actually part of the interview process that, you know, something that went along with his associate head coach title was, he got to do 
some interviews and uh, just, you know, a guy like that's coming in. Robert Steiner was a, a great assistant strength coach, but will he be a great head strength coach? And, you know, from what Dante Williams was saying, it sounds like the plan he had in place, what he wanted to implement at USC resonated with Dante and made a lot of sense. So it was cool to kind of get some of the insight of someone that actually interviewed uh, Robert Steiner for the, for the job. Yeah, no, that's big. I mean, from what I've heard, Steiner has impressed so far and they're putting out little snippets of him talking on U- USC social media accounts and it seems impressive, but yeah, from all accounts so far, he's impressing. And you know, with Dante, uh, it's kind of cool to see him getting involved at that level because if you're USC, you want to make him feel important because he could be hired by like anyone. He's so valuable to the program. So having him have a bigger uh, role, I think is a good thing considering how much we've heard other coaches say how much Dante elevates everyone's game. Why not have that guy around everywhere to elevate everyone's game? You know, that's someone you want to influence your program. So a uh, good thing, for, good thing for USC to keep him around and give him a, a big role. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, we're not going to get into this too much because this actually isn't up yet, but uh, maybe tell people about uh, Brian Carrington uh, a little bit, Keely. Yeah, I was able to talk with Brian Carrington, who was Texas' former director of recruiting. He's a really cool guy. He has such an interesting backstory. Uh, He basically was a student worker at the University of Houston when Tom Herman got there and basically uh, just in a class one day decided to email the recruiting department and was like, hey, let me help out as a student. And he quickly rose up the ranks and uh, was offered a job at Texas before he even graduated from Houston uh, because he was that good at recruiting. And so uh, he wanted to make the switch into coaching. He wants to to try that out. And USC kind of gave him an opportunity with becoming a quality, quality control uh, assistant. So he's going to be on the offensive side. And so uh, a cool story and a cool guy. And he's, he's another guy who's just relentless in recruiting. And so, you know, it's, it's, USC's kind of building a force on the recruiting staff with Dante Williams, Craig Nivar, uh, especially they think they can really lock up Texas now with how many Texas guys they have on the staff. So, uh, as far as getting talent outside of California, they definitely have their sights set on Texas. So just an interesting development for USC's, uh, support staff. And I thought it was a good pickup for USC on that front. For sure. So looking forward to uh, checking out that interview. Is this going to be a podcast or it's a story? It's a, it's a story. Okay. So we're going to yeah. be reading that interview. So yes, make sure we'll be reading that. <laughs> make sure you check out USC football. Or I'll have Keely read it to me. I don't want to have to read. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com. Like if you're not a VIP member, it's a buck. So d- jump in there. You guys need to do that. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll start answering some of your questions back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. A bunch of questions we have to get to, uh, Keely. You know, the, the voicemails we have are more geared towards the scholarship math stuff. Do you want me to start there or would you like to start somewhere else? Wherever works for you, boss man. All right. We'll do a quick one here. This is fast. Is Matt Fink coming back for his senior year of extra eligibility? So quick question. No, <laughs> that uh, no quick. name. Yeah. Look at that. Um, our understanding is yes. Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you talked to any sources directly, Keely, but I've, Felt like the people I talked to said he was going to be 
uh, returning to the team. They actually have uh, four scholarship quarterbacks instead of two. It'll be doubled with Miller Moss and Jackson Dart on the roster. But Fink is a redshirt senior and can come back and uh, play again. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard any names specifically like, oh, that guy isn't coming back. But I will say that people are a little cagey about it. Like, no one straight up said, yeah, everyone's coming back. It's 100% of these guys. So that's that's why I kind of have a little bit of hesitation. And you know people change their minds all the time. So I think that's why I'm not saying anything definite. But I haven't heard any names for sure. Yeah, they could definitely change their mind. Um, guys could enter the transfer portal and, and end up going somewhere else. So there's, yeah, there. Might be looking. Matt Fink was in the portal before, if you remember, and then came back. Um, this also sort of has that. It, this one starts off on a good note, and then it goes full on basketball. So we'll, uh, <laughs> I'll play this one for you. Get your thoughts, Keely. Hey, podcast. This is Rick from Vista. I got a question about um, eligibility. Uh, my understanding is the NCAA granted um, everybody an extra year of eligibility. Does that mean those guys that are seniors can stay on another year? Does that mean that the loss of the offensive line, I think the, is it the right tackle? Oh, no, I think he's coming back. But does that mean any seniors, they can come back for another year? As well as basketball. I think it's more important for the basketball team. Does that mean those guys that have, a, have played a fifth year, they can play a sixth year? So basically, USC's basketball team is going to come back intact except for maybe uh, Evan Mobley. And the other question I have is, do you think Isaiah Mobley is going to move on? And then finally, um, we got that transfer from Long Beach State. How good a player is that guy? Um, I know it's a lot of basketball, but football seems to be wrapped up until spring. Thank you very much. I look forward to hearing from you. All right. First of all, football is not wrapped up until spring. This is a football (laughs) podcast. We're talking football. That is way too much basketball. Now, Shotgun has been doing some basketball talk on these podcasts. So does he have a specific email, Keely, or just? No, I think he has an email, email in his bio, or you can DM him. His DMs are open. And I know he puts out a call or a tweet for basketball questions. He did yesterday. So yeah. he just finished a, a basketball podcast that will be out soon. So yeah, stay check tuned that. for that. Yeah, check that out, Shaka, at, at Shaka and SBR on Twitter, SPR on Twitter. Make sure you go and you can he can answer. I don't know about some transfer from Long Beach State, uh, whatever. I don't know who that is. It doesn't, doesn't <laughs> care. But anyway, we're football here. We talk mostly football, uh, 99.9% football. Yes, but all the eligibility, they come back for football. I don't believe that's the same for basketball because basketball got in most of the season last year. Then, you know, everything stopped at conference tournament time. But I believe everyone got their time in advance. Is that the way it is, Keila? I don't think you're getting all the guys this year are getting an extra year of eligibility like football. I don't, I don't think so because there was – I remember when the pand- pandemic first started, there was this confusion about winter sports versus spring sports. And I believe basketball falls into the winter sport category, and they weren't granted extra eligibility. So I don't believe they are getting an extra year. But yeah. once again, we are not basketball people. I will say, though, I will say Evan Mobley is definitely gone. He's definitely projected as, if not the first – pick in the draft in the top 10 so he will be gone he's a one and dunner which is unfortunate because uh usc fans can't see him in the galen center but usc basketball ryan they're they're tied for first in the pac-12 look at that yeah and i would say i don't know a lot about basketball either but i did watch the usc ucla game so um look at you i did watch people were tweeting like ryan doesn't know what's going on I'm like i watched the game dude uh but <laughs> as far as i know this the basketball team is not coming back intact. Like it didn't come back intact the <laughs> yeah. year last year, the year before this year. Like that is not like I'm, you're way off on that. Like there's, that does not happen, especially when you got a guy like Evan Mobley, you know? So yeah, no, it's not coming back intact. It's always different. Like there's always transfers and there's, yeah. So that's uh yeah, no, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. And then what was his other question? He had multiple questions, Ryan, or did we address it? I think we addressed the first one with like all the seniors coming back. Then it slipped okay. into like this basketball madness. And I think we touched on <laughs> most of the stuff that he had in there. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Well, let's move on to an email from our buddy Brett C from Knoxville, Tennessee, who says, hi, Ryan Keeley and team. I'm wondering about when the PAC 12 football schedule will come out for the 2021 season. Thanks and fight on. 
So uh, thanks, Brett. I actually talked to a source about this and it's, um, I'm not allowed to say, but it's supposed to be coming. It should be coming fairly soon. You know, I would definitely before USC spring ball starts, it's Pac-12 always been kind of weird about this. We had someone write, write in about, I think, a schedule once where they looked at the schedule that is now the, you know, the out-of-conference games, you know, you, you know, San Jose State's the opener, all that stuff. But people thought USC was going like USC, uh, Notre Dame, BYU, Arizona State, because those are the first three games listed. The out-of-conference games are scheduled. You know, you know, you're going back to play Notre Dame in October. You're playing, uh, you know, BYU in, in November, I believe. And then they just list the rest of the teams in alphabetical order. So we don't know uh, right now. You assume Stanford's going to be one of those early ones, but the Pac-12 should be coming out with that. Uh, you know, I would say probably within the next month or so. There you go. Um, we have an email from our buddy Stephen Poway who says, Dear Keely and Ryan, are there any offensive lineman prospects in the transfer portal these days? I hate to say it, but I keep thinking that USC's offensive line may be the Achilles heel of our team next year. A team that is otherwise very solid all around, particularly with the pickup four vowel and sometimes five Keontae Ingram strengthening our running back uh, group. Fight on and win in 2021, Steve and Poway. Steve, there are. There's a there. Whatever you want, the treasure portal, it's there. <laughs> I mean, you need a kicker. You want a yeah. You want a cornerback. Like, there's dudes there. USC's tried to get some guys. I believe they'll still be trying uh, to get somebody out of there. Ideally, you bring in a left tackle, uh, like they brought in a right tackle, uh, whatever, a little over a year ago. You're you're doing that. Uh, in this case, trying to bring in a left tackle. It's not always easy to get the guy you exactly want. It's going to be the right fit, but there are a bunch of dudes in there. And I think USC's looking, I think we, do we have a story up there recently, Keely, about some of the, the prospects in the transfer portal? I think we did. I think Chris had who's left on the board as far as possible uh, transfer prospects. I know USC was looking at Wayne Morris. That was a guy that they were after, but he uh, didn't commit to USC. And that was prior to USC announcing that Clay McGuire was going to be the coach. So it's hard to get guys out of the portal when you don't have a coach. Um, and then now the the spring semester started, so they can't actually have anyone enroll and transfer right now. So if you are going to get a uh, uh, transfer out of the portal it's going to have to be for the summer semester you could get a commitment now but you're not going to get anyone on campus anymore because that uh enrollment period has closed so right now it's kind of all quiet on that front yeah yeah all right thanks for that Uh, one we have a text and i don't have the name so maybe ryan you can look that up Uh, they said clutching for straws uh, for hope here, trying to think of why John David Baker would leave Graham Harrell slash USC for Ole Miss. Better title, they actually put tight ends on the field, but could it hopefully be that Baker knows Harrell is planning to leave SC after the 2021 season, and thus this would indicate that we might finally, finally, finally be free of Clay Hilton and the Groundhog's Day purgatory we're trapped in after the 2021 season? Wow, yeah, they didn't leave a name, like it's just a, it's a 760 number, but didn't leave any kind of name. It was the first okay. text we received. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, John David Baker is a Southern guy, you know, going back, uh, there, I I think he got a great opportunity at USC to become a position coach and saw an opportunity with Lane Kiffin. I, I applaud moves like this where he's kind of been attached to Graham Harrell and, you know, can spread his wings himself and find his own way. A little bit. I wouldn't tie it to anything that it means. John, you know, John David Baker, like one year assistant coach leaving means that Clay Elton's leaving. You know, like that. I, no, I wouldn't say that's the case at all. Yeah, that's going too far. From everything I've heard, it had more to do with John David Baker than it did with anything else. And he also picked up a passing game coordinator. So that's that's a good jump to have after your first year being an uh, assistant coach and working for, obviously, like you said, Ryan Lane Kiffin. So I think it was more to do with JDB than anything else to do with USC on that front. Yeah, you get a you know, good job offer. You got you know, you have to entertain something like that. So uh, good for him. And, you know, like I said, great for him to be able to kind of get away from the guy that gave him his start, you know, and, uh, you know, he can branch out on his own. Yeah, growth. 
Uh, we got another text, and it's from Marcus from Moco, who says, To Ryan in the Parasail podcast family, while looking at the highlight reels of the incoming class, I noticed that Joseph Manjack, the wide receiver from Texas, can play the wildcat position. Is it possible that he will play this position at USC to change up the offense and in short-yarded situations? The kid can obviously throw the ball, as he backed up Memorial's main QB when he was injured, and he's deceptively fast. It's the only way I can see him getting minutes early on, unless he has a breakout camp or the injury bug hits the receiver's room. Marcus from Moco. Uh, Marcus, I'm going to say no. Like, we haven't seen anything like that from Graham Harrell. Um, you know, could it be some wrinkle that they put in there? I guess. But they only had, you know, two scholarship quarterbacks. We didn't see, like, Matt Fink coming in and doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're going to put a true freshman, like, wide receiver in there. Unless it's just, he does some, st- maybe they try to practice and, like, man, this is amazing. And uh, they they put it in. But my, my guess, if I had to bet right now, Marcus, are you going to see uh, Joseph Manjack running a lot of, a bunch of Wildcat in 2021? I would bet no. Yeah, I would have to go with that too. But Manjack is really intriguing to me, Ryan. I think on another podcast I said he was maybe the most intriguing guy in this class. I don't know why, but his film is just – he's kind of shifty, he's fast, and he just seems like he could be that – kind of question mark factor that maybe USC is missing. So I don't know. He's a guy to watch for, for sure. I don't know if he's going to be an in, instant impact guy, but I think he'll have a role on the team. So look out for him. Watch um, for him. And, and maybe like, you know, if a Clay McGuire is, you know, looking at different short yardage stuff, he talked about potentially going under center, right? Yeah. I don't know. So if he implements stuff like that and, you know, Graham Harrell said, we don't do that. And, they're going to start doing it. Maybe they'll start doing something like this, which we really haven't seen much of. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about this, Ryan, but what did you take away from the introductory press conference of Seth Dagey and Clay McGuire? I know why you asked it, a couple of questions. Yeah. Why does it seem like nine uh, years ago? It seems like so long ago. Like <laughs> it we, does. Haven't, we haven't talked about it together on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys talked about it on family feud a little I bit. Believe. Yeah. Yeah. We recorded it before the presser, though, so we didn't get to talk into their specific. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's. I think for Seth Deggy, is like you know he was involved. I think I asked about recruiting a little bit. You know, him being involved there. He, you know, he was really involved with the quarterbacks and stuff. He seems like a like a go getter kind of guy, you know. And um, he'd been an assistant coach before. You know, he's worked with Mike Jenks. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if you're going to fill in for a, a John David Baker, you're you're basically getting someone with a bunch more experience than John David Baker had. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that could help the tight end room. And I feel like with Clay McGuire, I liked what he said about, you know, they could look at going under center. But it's – and I, I think the Rain of Troy people were saying this too. We, we probably said it, I'm, I'm sure, something along these lines. He was the guy you should have hired two years ago, right? Like he should yeah. have been the guy that came in when Graham Harrell came in. And I, I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury would have stuck around if he would have had an opportunity to bring in his offensive line coach or like if they would have eventually replaced Tim Drevno. The fact that you didn't and they sort of explained it away. And I, I, to me, that was you needed to go all in on the air raid. They're all in on it or this version of the air raid, whatever it is. You needed someone with that kind of experience running the the offensive line. And, you know, he got a he got a bump when he went to, you know, go work with Kingsbury. He wasn't fired. He left, you know, he didn't get fired by Mike Leach. He left for a better job. Kingsbury gets fired. Um, and so then he ends up at Texas State. So I think he kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap about that, but um, I thought he was he was good. I think that's what you need. Is it like, is he going to be the savior of the program? I don't think so. But it's if you're going to run this kind of offense, you need this kind of offensive line coach, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. He kind of 
alluded to things, didn't say it outright, but he definitely said that you're going to have to change your strategy when you get into short yarded situations, when you get into the goal line situation. And so <laughs> I think he had a quote that said, like, you don't want to keep banging your head against the wall, meaning like you don't want to keep doing the same thing. So I thought that was good. It's at least a, brush, a breath of fresh air, uh, a new perspective. And he said that, you know, him and, and Harold understand the same language almost, and it's, it's it'll be easier for adjustments and whatnot. So I think that's good, bringing in someone who knows. And uh, if I will, Ryan, we actually have a question that kind of goes to this. Um, sure. It's from Bay Area Trojan, who wrote an email that said, uh, Ryan and Keely, I listen to your podcast all the time. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Uh, and he said, I have a few questions for you guys, and I'm interested in getting your thoughts. It's been mentioned several times in your podcast that Graham Harrell would be better positioned for success with a more air raid-oriented offensive line coach. What specifically does that mean? Are we looking for an O-line coach that is better able to teach his position group how to pass protect? How would an air raid O-line coach differ from from a more traditionally oriented coach at the same position? And then I'll get into, uh, he has more questions, but I'll let you address that first, Ryan. Yeah, so this was like kind of the big question when we saw Graham Harrell come in and it was kind of explained away, you know, like, oh, Tim Drevno, it's fine that he hasn't run this kind of, offense before it's all the same or whatever. And it just didn't seem that way. Right. It just didn't, it seemed like you needed someone that was more familiar with this offensive system. Was there any headbutting going on behind the scenes where, you know, the offensive line coach wants to do things a certain way and the offensive coordinator wants to do a different way. I I think we asked about splits, you know, wider splits with Clay McGuire. It didn't sound like that was something he was, you know, you had to be doing, but that's one of the things that you usually see in this kind of offense where the, the offensive linemen, their splits are a little bit wider. There's not as much kind of pulling as more of it's more of a zone blocking kind of scheme where you're, you know, you're, you're blocking this zone. So I, I feel like there's different concepts that you teach if you're running, not necessarily an air raid, but just more of a spread kind of attack where Tim Drevno came from, more of a, you know, like you're packing it in fullback, tight end, uh, you know, run the football, pull a guard, pull the tackle, things like that are happening. So it just seems like some different philosophies, not that, you know, a coach that was coach, I don't know. I mean, like an offensive line coach that was coaching, you know, blocking it for Navy where they don't throw the ball ever come and work in an air raid kind of scheme and still teach guys how to block and, pass protected, things like that. I just think there's, there's some differences there and it might not be the end of the world or the end, end all be all, but I feel like you needed someone that would have some experience in this offense because it's kind of, it's unique. It's got its own quirks and all that kind of stuff. And Tim Drevno hadn't coached in that kind of thing before. So I feel like it's just more about the kind of it's not just pass protection. It's just like the blocking concepts that you would use in these more spread offenses than you would in the more kind of pro style offenses that we've seen Tim Trevno, Tim Drevno operate in. Yeah. To paraphrase how it was kind of explained to me, it was like Graham Harrell and the rest of the offense was speaking French and Drevno was speaking French or teaching French to the offensive line, but also throwing in German. And it's like, okay, well you, you know German, but why are you applying German here? You know, you need to speak French. So Sometimes the time was allocated, maybe not most effectively or, you know, wasn't as comfortable with things in the air raid scheme that Harold is. You know, I think it's just a, a a comfortability standpoint where you can teach it better if you know it better. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, And that makes sense. And for anyone out there listening, if you're like, what did Keeley just say? Did that mean it was like, was, you know, was it paradise when you're talking about the offensive meeting room? There were likely some some issues there and you're not going to hear it directly from the coaches. You're not going to say this or that. It doesn't mean, you know, Graham Harrell's good and Tim Drevno's bad or Tim Drevno's no, good yeah. and Graham Harrell's bad, but they had different philosophies and you need to all be on the same page. And I think a guy like Clay McGuire is going to be on the same page as Graham Harrell. And that's important. You could say, I don't know who's a better offensive line coach, uh, Clay McGuire or Tim Drevno, but I think Clay McGuire is better for the offense USC is trying to run. Yeah, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but the word that kept being used was fit. 
So it doesn't really say anything about maybe their ability. Like uh, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that Tim Drummond was a bad offensive line coach. It's just for the the context and the fit that USC needed. It seems like a guy like Clay McGuire was would be the better fit uh, in the yeah. grand scheme of things. So and he would have been uh, a better fit two years ago. You know, so it's <laughs> yeah. sort of one of those things where USC's making the right move just years later than they should have. The very long drawn out rebuild, if you will. Yes. Yes. Like so, instead of ripping the bandaid off, you're just like, oh, one more, you're just pulling it slowly. One more hair <laughs> yeah. gets picked out. You're like, oh, like just rip the thing off, you know? Exactly. Oh, Bay Area Trojan had a couple more questions. He said, also, with Notre Dame facing a year of probation for recruiting violations, what do you think the fallout will be within their organization as a result? They have already fired a few people, and I suspect there be more, there may be more uh, to come. If there aren't able to play us this upcoming season, what do you think would be a good replacement to schedule a game against? Fight on, Bay Area Trojan. Hey, Bay Area Trojan. I really don't know much about what the recruiting violations were, but I don't think it's, you know, it would put the game in jeopardy. <laughs> so like that's, I don't think Notre Dame's missing the USC game because of a, some kind of, you know, probation thing. That's, that's, that's a pretty big uh, leap, but I, I don't really know anything about the fallout. Have you heard much about Akili? No, I have not. So I don't yeah. think I can speak into it. So we'll see if we hear anything more Bay area. We'll, we'll follow up with you there. Yeah. Sorry about that. We have an email from Guile Smiles who says, Hello, guys. Love the podcast, and I looked forward to them each week. We're all super excited that we were able to pull in Corey Foreman. And from what I've been hearing, he was happy to see Todd Orlando's new defense, how he would be used, and also the two big, year, two big words we have all been hearing, player development. It's hard for me to make sense, though, of the fact that Drake Jackson seemed to have a much less productive year in Orlando's new defense than he had in his freshman year. And many have said that Orlando has Jackson playing out of position. How could seeing those things give Corey the confidence that he will be used correctly and that player development of the defensive lineman is going in a positive direction? In Drake Jackson's case, at least it wouldn't seem to be the opposite. Kyle smiles. Kyle smiles. It's been a while since we heard uh, from him. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I feel like for Corey Foreman, if USC, if the players did not write that letter to the governor, the Pac-12 doesn't play and Corey Foreman doesn't come to USC. A lot of it had to do with that he got to see USC play. He got to see a defense that didn't really have much of an opportunity to install its own system, go forward and show progress throughout the shortened season and show that, you know, you can make this work. And I, I feel like what he saw, he liked. Um, will they move Drake Jackson around a little bit? Potentially. Uh, you could still see the flashes there, but he, you know, how he was utilized, maybe the size, you know, how big he was, all that kind of stuff. They're probably gonna have to make some adjustments, but I think, I think if you're Corey Foreman, you're anyone, you're kind of given the defense and Todd Orlando a pass because you were just thrown, everything was just thrown in the fire all at once. Um, but it was, those guys are really close. They're like brothers. So if Drake Jackson wasn't happy, I don't think Corey Ford would be coming to USC. So he either is happy with what his role is or happy that it's going to be a little bit different or more to his liking going forward. Uh, because those guys, it's not like they're, Drake Jackson's not keeping any secrets from Corey Foreman. So he seems pretty happy. He, he must be pretty happy with things if uh, Corey's happy with things. Yeah, I would completely agree, Ryan. And just to add on to that, I think also being able to see how cohesive this defensive staff actually is, because they were a little bit of a motley crew before the season started, but you could tell that side of the ball was united and that they were playing well and playing well as the season progressed. So I think that really gave uh, Foreman an idea of what he could join on or join into so I think from all accounts it seemed like he only saw the positives and I don't think he looks at Drake Jackson the same way that I think some fans do uh, as far as the jump from freshman year to sophomore year so I think it's different for him yeah I agree with you there we have one final question, and it's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, who says, Hi, Keelan Ryan. Maybe asking Ryan to campaign for Pete Carroll to be in- inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame was inappropriate, but my question was more about what is USC doing to promote Pete, which in turn promotes USC football and our great football heritage, which still helps with our recruiting image. However, on another note, I was saddened to hear about the death of John Arnett, who was an amazing Trojan. John Arnett was a lot like Sandy Koufax. You had to see him to believe him. 
If he had played a full year in 1956, he would have won USC's first Heisman Trophy. He was on track to break the 1,000-yard barrier and break Morley Drury's USC rushing record. Rest in peace, Jaguar John Arnett. Fight on and win. Dan Costum, 1962. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, obviously Denver got to see uh, John play in person, but, uh, you know, everything you read and hear about him, you know, just a special uh, player for USC. So yeah, rest in peace to John. It's, it's unfortunate. We it almost seems like every week we get an email about a former Trojan great passing away. So uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as far as what USC is doing to promote Pete, I don't think anything. Um, they've got a long list of things they got to fix. <laughs> so getting Pete Carroll into the College Football Hall of Fame is more. It's not like campaigning for Pete. It's really like trying to change a rule. I mean, we could ask, but I, to my knowledge, Keeley, I don't think anything's really being done from USC about this. They got they got their hands full with with a lot of pressing matters right now. Yeah, I would say if it is on the list, it's not at the top of the list. There's a lot of things happening, especially because uh, Pete's still coaching. So I don't. Maybe it might be a thing that they take on when he's like done, done and retired, and then you can elevate him. I'm not sure, but definitely haven't heard anything about it. So. That would lead me to believe that it's not a pressing priority right now. I would think, you know, once he's like 70 or about to be 70, um, it probably yeah. somewhat have to come when he retires, I would think, uh, from coaching. And yeah, that yeah. look at that. But that's uh, I mean, yeah, that's something I don't think is is high, you know, very bright on USC's radar right now with all the other stuff going on. Yep. I would have to agree. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap things up. Keely, yeah. uh, good stuff. Um, it's good to be back. I was about to say, glad to be back podcasting with you, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, always always good and uh, great questions. Thanks, everyone, for that. And check out, you know, Keely's story is coming up uh, with Mr. Carrington and mine coming up on the uh, scholarship math and the scholarship distribution and all that. So make sure you check it out. And, of course, always check out uscfootball.com. It's a buck if you want to be a VIP member. There's no reason not to do it. So go in there. A dollar. Come on. Uh, what else are you going to do during the pandemic? Go check it out. Go read everything. We put stories all the time. So hopefully uh, you guys get an opportunity to do that. And if you are a member already, we appreciate you doing that. But that's uh, Keely York. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.